want to join me for a trip to Nashville? There are so many incredible women there to interview. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. You can imagine my excitement when a really good friend of mine named J.C. Valeris invited me to stay at her home, and then she used all of her connections in Music City to introduce me to country music royalty. Question for you. Do you know the song, Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue? Well, if you don't, please go and take a listen to it, because the woman you are about to meet took that song to number one, and she even got a Grammy for it. In fact, she's had 28 top 10 songs, and 12 of those went straight to number one. She's got a slew of awards and a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Her name is Crystal Gale, and this interview was recorded at her studios on Music Row in Nashville. I'm serious. You know, I did have a fan moment when she walked into the room with her signature long hair that goes all the way down to the floor. What an interview. I hope you enjoy it. Well, here we go. Crystal, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me on. You're just as beautiful as I had imagined in my mind. Oh, you're sweet to say that. (laughs) Paintsville, Kentucky. Paint me a picture of your hometown. Paintsville, Kentucky is where I was born because I was the only one out of eight children born in a hospital. Everyone else was born at home. Everyone else was born, um, you know, at home with probably with a midwife or someone around that was helping. But that was up in Butcher Holler. I guess being the last, my mother said that uh, I was not a mistake, just an accident. But she said she did dance for joy when the doctor told her she was pregnant. And then your family moved to Wabash, Indiana. Wabash, Indiana. We moved there when I was about four. And we had to move because the mines were closing. And actually, you know, Dad went to find work, and he couldn't find anything at the time. So he came back home, and the mom left, went to Wabash, Indiana, and she found a job at a restaurant, and she loved it. She'd write letters and tell us all about it. And when she got everything settled, you know, she found a place to live because she was living with relatives for a little bit. She sent for us all, so we all moved to Wabash, and then she took a mail-order course in nursing and worked at a nursing home and then a children's home. So you're one of eight children. You're the youngest. What was it like with all those kids under one roof? Well, being the last out of eight, a lot of them were already gone and out of the house, married and having kids. And I'm an aunt to my nieces and nephews are older. Some of them I was like, okay, it was great having a, a, a large family. And I couldn't wait for the holidays when everybody would come home. It was just special. Controlled chaos? It was controlled chaos. And, you know, my mother's door was never closed. It was open to anyone that came to town. And she'd cook and she'd leave food out and just, you know, anybody that stopped by. One of those nurturing moms. Yes, definitely. Your dad died when you were just a little girl. And your mom became a single mom. She must have had the weight of the world on her shoulders taking care of all of you. He died, I was probably, I guess, eight or nine, around in there. It was a tough time for her. She was always strong. She kept strong for all of us. And uh, definitely the weight of the world, but definitely a a strong person. She went on and uh, carried on. She knew what she had to do. Your big sister, Loretta Lynn, you watched her make her way in country music. Do you remember the moment when you decided that you wanted to sing, too? Well, I grew up with my sister singing. You know, I loved it. I just I loved listening to her sing. And uh, my mother said I could sing before I could uh, walk. So it was just in our blood. <laughs> and, you know, I knew I was going to be a singer. Did you see it in your mind? Did you envision it? 
I, you know, I just knew that I was going to sing somewhere. It could have just been in church or just around. And, you know, I'd sing with my brother's bands on the weekends. I'd sing with my friends, had a rock band. I'd go out and try to do that. And, you know, it was just the swing groups in high school, you know, the, the choirs. It was just fun to be a part of it all. So I knew I was going to sing. I didn't know, you know, I was going to really be in the business until my sister said, hey, you come on down. And, uh, you know, she got my foot into the door. But it did not take long for me to realize that I had to make it on my own. It's one thing, you know, to have a family member who's in the business, and maybe they open the door for you, which obviously your sister did. But then you've got to walk through and deliver. So in a way, there's more pressure on you, isn't there? There is a lot of pressure on it. I've seen it through the years with other people in that business. And to me, my sister gave me the best advice. And she said, don't sing my songs. Don't sing anything I would sing. Don't record that. You go M-O-R, middle of the road. So that's why my music was a little bit more on that easy listening side. But she knew the business. You were creating your own path. Yes. You get signed by Decca Records. You're only 19 years old and you have a hit which is called I've Cried the blues right out of my eyes. The first thing that I want to say is, do we always sing songs about eyes, Crystal? What is it with that? I think eyes are part of my life, you know. <laughs> this song was a big song, your first one right out of the gate. Yes. Tell me about the first time you heard that song on the radio. Well, the first time I heard myself on radio was just incredible. You know, I think it was it was actually driving around Louisville, Kentucky, and hearing my song. It was like, Wow. <laughs> Did you turn it up? Of course. <laughs> Roll the windows yeah, down, say, say hello. Yeah, Does hey. anybody know? This is my song. This is, my, this is me. <laughs> your sister gave you the advice and you took it that you really needed to sort of forge your own way. And you were signed to United Artists in 1974. You're only 23 years old. You're off to the races with your own style. As an artist, though, you had to find your own voice. So I guess my question is, when you're looking for the songs, aren't they like jewels? I remember Bonnie Raitt once told me, a great song is like finding a jewel at the bottom of the ocean. How do you find that perfect fit? Well, I was really lucky. When my contract with Decca was over, I knew it wasn't the right fit. So United Artists was incredible. I really didn't think I'd find a label like that. And they put me with the best producer ever, Alan Reynolds. So I uh, got with a guy that was a great songwriter. He wrote my first top ten, Wrong Road Again, and Somebody Loves You, Ready for the Times. He must have gotten you. He wanted me to put my two cents in. He didn't want it just to be him. So we would sit and listen to songs. He says, I like this. And he said, do you like it now? Do you really like it? Because you are the one that's going to sing it. I was real shy, so he was really taking that out of me, trying to get me to open up. And I was very lucky he had his own studio. So he let me go in and I would record a, a song and he'd say, okay, now why don't you sing it a little bit differently this time just to hear your voice and see what you like the most about it. And it was great because it could be soft, it could be loud. And, and then I got to learn what I wanted to do in my music. Is it true that when you're in the studio and you're singing a song, you can feel it, you can hear it, something tells you there's something special about it. I love being in the studio with everything live, with all the musicians, and I actually, Don't Make My Brown Eyes Blue, that was a first take. I did not re-sing the song. I did try, because there was a few little things that I wanted to fix, and it was like, it didn't work. It had to be the live take. It was like we were in a 
club somewhere and all just working together and singing. It was a live take and it felt live. And I think that's what made it so special. And Alan just put strings on it and that was it. It's almost like catching lightning in a bottle that they say, right? Oh, yes. Let's talk about the stories behind a couple of these great big hits. Take me in the studio for Talking in Your Sleep. Talking in Your Sleep. I love that song. And, and Bobby Wood, one of the writers on that song, He had actually recorded it, and it was for a label. He had a contract, and they were going to put it out. Something happened, and it was like uh, a few weeks went by, and I said, Bobby, can I record that song? (laughs) And he said, sure, take it. (laughs) So we went into the studio, and he was also in the studio, great keyboard player. We put it down the beginning with keyboard, but then after everything was done, we decided to add the strings and just have me sing with the strings. You know, I can still see being in the studio at, uh, with Alan and at Jack's Tracks, which is called Allentown now because Garth Brooks bought the studio. It just was so comfortable. Let's talk about you and I with Eddie Rabbit. If I had a dime, Crystal Gale, for every time I've played that song, and it's played every day around the world multiple times, it's a timeless love song. And God bless Eddie Rabbit. Talk to us about what it was like to duet with him. Well, Eddie called me and he said, will you sing some harmony on one of my songs? And I said, sure, Eddie, would you send it to me? And he sent it and I listened and I said, you know, Eddie, I can do a little bit more than harmony. So I went in the studio. Eddie had already done his part. Oh, so you were not in the studio for this? We were not in at the same time, no. And then I went in and there was most of that was alive. I mean, because the producer really liked the intensity that I was giving. I just had to change a few things just to match him in the choruses. But... Sometimes you do duets and you're both there. But I'd say a big part of the duets that you hear out there are pieced together. What I love about the song is not only because it's timeless. People can fall in love with that song in 2020 and they fell in love with it in 1981 or whatever the year was for that song. But what I love about it, Crystal, is the nuances that you create in your part where you kind of wrap yourself around him a little bit and that's magic again isn't it well you know i lived with his recording you know so i got into his recording uh, the way he would sing it and i tried to put myself with him and how how it would work and you have to do that we would tour together and we had a great time your songs have become kind of like pop culture, I think. I mean, you must look out at your audiences sometimes and see them singing every word. You're laughing every word with you. What's that like? <laughs> well, it's great because they know the words better than I do. <laughs> so if I forget, they can Hey, go. thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. I forgot that line. <laughs> and I have done that a few times. And I tell them sometimes, <laughs> overlook it. <laughs> but the thing is that the songs become as important to the people listening to them. They've got their own memories, right? They do. And, uh, you know, I'll hear a song on radio and I'll think it takes me back to an area of where I was at. Uh, Just all these wonderful memories and, and they're special. So I feel very lucky to have songs out there that have taken people to special places. What is it like to win a Grammy Award? great. <laughs> Walk me through it, please. They call out your name. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was incredible to, to win the Grammy. You know, I, I still have the dress, you know, I had on. <laughs> Do you sometimes hold the Grammy and say, hi, <laughs> hello? <laughs> well, I was so nervous. All these wonderful people around, you know, there's actors and singers and, I mean, incredible people that uh, I'm backstage with. You were starstruck? I was starstruck. <laughs> 
Steve Martin was going around (laughs) knocking on everybody's doors. (laughs) It was incredible, I mean, to win the Grammy and to have a song like Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue. I mean, those songs do not come around very often. And I'm so glad I got one of them. They're timeless. They're songs that go on forever. What did Loretta say when you won the Grammy? She loved it. Did you let her hold it? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think she's even held that Grammy. (laughs) You can't hold it. I'm sorry. This one is mine. Where do you keep your Grammys and your other awards? Well, actually, I have some here up front. I have them in the case. Can we talk about your gorgeous hair? I would have been devastated if you'd cut your hair. I don't know what I would have done if I showed up on Music Row in this gorgeous office and you didn't have your long hair. It seems to me that your hair is a part of you. It's a part of who you are. When did you start growing your hair and how many people does it take to wash it? Well, I do my hair myself. I you know, wash it in the shower. I always say it's my American Indian blood that lets it grow and grow. Wow. All the girls, my mother too, had long hair. So it was. it's in our blood. I just saw someone when I was out on the road. My hair was, I guess, to my waist or a little below, and I saw someone to hair it to their knees. And I thought, okay, I'm going to let my hair see if it will get to my knees. So that's how it goes. And then it went from your knees? It went on down. To <laughs> your ankles. And, you know, I think of the a lot of people, they want to have long hair, and they think they have to trim it every month, which you don't have to. You know, I keep saying I'm going to write this little, not a long book, but a short hair book so to give some tips for people when they because they'll go into a hair a salon and because they went to school they know it all but really they don't if anyone should brand themselves as the hair expert it should be crystal gale i've decided oh my goodness (laughs) okay here we go we're gonna do this (laughs) you just mentioned your children how did motherhood change you it changed a lot Uh, you know we were actually getting ready to go to california and uh, get a place out there and do some. I actually was toying with, oh, maybe doing a little acting or just. And then when I got pregnant, it was like, oh, I don't want to raise my kids in California. <laughs> L.A. anyway, so big and just, you know, it was crazy. And I just, you know, just uh, stayed here in Nashville. So tell us a little bit about what it's like to be. Well, your kids aren't here to answer this question, so try to be them. What's it like to be Crystal Gale's kid? Well, my son is actually here in this building, so you can ask him. <laughs> What would he say? Well, when I look back on my children, I would go to the school to pick up Catherine, my daughter, or take her something. And it was like, Mom, just leave it on that table over there. Don't even come near me. (laughs) Now, with my son, Chris, it was like he'd look around and say, Hey, Crystal Gale. (laughs) Oh, that is so funny. funny. Both uh, night and day. You know, my my daughter didn't want to have anything to do with it. (laughs) I have similar stories about my daughter and my son. You have a Chris and I have a Chris, too. My son is Christopher. Is that your son's full name? It's Christos. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, From my husband being Greek, named after his grandfather. What is the best piece of advice, Crystal, that you've ever received, whether it's personal or professional? And can you pass that along to the many women who listen to this show? To me, being true to myself... um, You have to enjoy what you do. I've had a lot of good luck and a lot of great people behind me through the years. And you take their wisdom and you try to keep your own heart out there. You know, I've always said I've turned down a lot of money. 
because I wouldn't do commercials because I didn't like the product. And, you know, I, I knew that there were a lot of children out there that looked up to me, and I didn't want to use maybe as hair products. I, if I don't like them, I'm not going to use them, and I'm not going to tell someone else to use it. And I, you know, it was all these different things that were thrown my way. And as I said, I turned out a lot of money. But you have to be true to yourself. What people see on stage is what I want them to know is me. I like to ask women who have the ability to kind of look a little bit in the rearview mirror because they've had a long career. If you could talk to yourself <laughs> when you were at time. Decca Records, <laughs> is there something that you would tell Crystal when she was 19 years old that you've learned now? At that time, that Crystal was very, very, very shy. When I started out, I do not know really how I got on stage because if I could have hid behind the microphone stand, I would have. So I, I think maybe just lighten up. I think I was, you know, wanted to be on time for everything, which I, you know, was pretty good at that. <laughs> but I, it was always this worry of, you know, I want to do everything right or, you know, it's got to be perfect or this or that. That No, it doesn't. You know, you have to have fun. And life is too short. But life is too short. You know, when I started and I had hit with brown eyes, I was so busy. I mean, I wish I had two of me because I had to turn down so many TV shows, so many major television specials. I couldn't do them all. You know, you look at country artists today, and the biggest ones are the ones who were able to have multi-format hits. Mm -hmm. You are the first country female to be able to do that, to have country hits and pop hits. That's pretty fantastic. When we went in the studio, we didn't really look for those songs. We just looked for the best songs that we found in Nashville. It wasn't saying, okay, this is going to go pop. This isn't going to go here. It was like, you know, we just wanted the best writers, the best songs. And I think today, I think a lot of the artists are not looking for the best songs. They're writing their own or, or putting their name on with 20 other people on one song that has a beat, and it's okay, but it's not a brown eyes. And I'm, I didn't write brown eyes. I mean, I wish I had. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the truth. That I think there's so many good writers out there that they're not looking into their catalog because there's some great songs still sitting there that could be big hits. Is there anything on your bucket list, Crystal Gale, that you haven't accomplished yet? Well, I keep saying I'm going to write a book, and then I thought, oh, nobody wants to read that. Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> and, of course, it's still recording and having a, a lot of fun in the studio. My last album was a classic country album that uh, I co-produced with my son, Chris. And what was that like? We started the album out so I could show Chris what real country music was, songs I grew up singing, songs that meant something to me. They're, uh, songs that, um, you know, I opened for Jack Green. I've opened for Marty Robbins. I, I You know, I look back and I think, wow, you know, I was in their lives a little bit, and they're just so incredible. So I wanted him to see and hear those songs. So, uh, you know, it was great working with him because he comes from more of the what's out there now sure. world, and uh, which is great, too. There's some great songs out there. But uh, still, that was a time of country music that, We'll never see again. It was a special time. And you were part of it. It was a time, actually, of great songs. At the end of the day, what matters most to you? As you look back on this incredible career, what are you most proud of? I'm really proud that I'm still here in this business. <laughs> you know, it's like, who knows? I mean, I feel very lucky because uh, yeah, I, we really didn't 
go after every hit record. You know, I have had, I, I know, over 20-some number ones, just top tens. But the thing is, it was really having fun and connecting with the people out there that listen to your music, that have bought your music. And, you know, that's when I go on the road. You know, I'm still doing a little bit here and there. And it's so great to see the people that I I know I'm going to see, that I have met through the years. They're, they're not fans, they're friends that I have made. And you're all going to sing some songs together and tonight. We sing and, we, <laughs> and we carry on. <laughs> when an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? You work around it or through it. If there's a problem, you make it not a problem. If you're out on stage and you're touring and you have all the sound around you and a speaker goes out, well, turn the other one around and go on. You just make it work. You don't make it like, oh, the world is falling in. Like I said, it doesn't have to be perfect. If you have your heart out there and and you're having fun, they're having fun too. I have a request. Can we sing the last couple lines of Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue? Yes. Can we do that? Don't it make my brown eyes, don't it make my brown eyes, don't it make my brown eyes blue. <laughs> you guys sound great. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> what does success mean to you? Success. Uh, I don't really look at it as success. I've had the awards, I've had this and that, but it's been a lot of fun and I've made a lot of good friends that I don't feel like my career is any more special than someone else's because it's what I've loved to do and uh, I'm still doing it and success is really what's in your mind. It's only in your mind. Crystal Gale, I want to thank you so much for allowing us to come here to Music Row to interview you today. And thank you for the songs and thank you for the memories. You're a wonderful, wonderful person to interview. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the story behind her success. I don't take a single listener for granted. If you like these inspiring stories, I hope you will tell your friends about this weekly series. Check out my website for a dose of inspiration anytime you need it. CandyOTerry.com. And follow me on Facebook at Candy O'Terry Official and on all other social platforms at Candy O'Terry. What's your story? I'd love to hear it. <laughs>